And this is why my parents are always like, is there something you want to tell us? And I'm like, that I'm going to be a spinster forever. Have you seen your best friend? <laughs> Have you seen how gay she is on the internet? Um, after you got married, they thought that they're like, oh, it must be her other straight friend that she's in love with. <laughs> they're like, are you upset that Grace is getting married? And I was like, why? <laughs> I'm like, why would I be upset about that? What? They tried to catch me in a lie. <laughs> Except. Are you sad your best friend's getting married? What? Why? Mm, did you think that was sly? I'm in her wedding, so I don't uh, I don't understand. They thought the you question. were going to pull a full best friend's wedding. <laughs> and like, break up the ceremony. They'd be like, does anyone have any objections? I do. I'm I love do. her. <laughs> they, they really wanted that. They didn't come, but like... <laughs> they, that really could have been... They weren't moment. invited. <laughs> it really would have ruined your beautiful ceremony, but... What a twist that would have been. Man, that would have been a funny prank. <laughs> Can you imagine, before your wife walked down the aisle, I just was like, wait. I object! <laughs> I made a decision. What? I made a decision. Welcome to Fine Pairings, I'm Grace. I'm Claire. And this is a podcast about fan fiction. And this week, our part one of our finale, it is specifically about fan fiction that you have brought to us and demanded that we read. <laughs> and we did! And we did. <laughs> we done did that. So we're both, this might be a little bit longer of an episode just based on the fact that I forgot how long mine was until this moment. <laughs> you know, numbers are an illusion. They're made up. I wanted it to be like a... <laughs> I we'll get into it later but basically I was like I don't want to read this again because I want to feel it along with you That's <laughs> so I fair. was like I'm just gonna trust that it's I already read it and I know it's pretty short yeah Didn't look at it trust the process it's less than 5,000 words so like it's fine yeah yeah, yeah. but it might be a little bit longer and mine so. the one I've brought today is pretty short so I think it'll I think it'll balance out so if hold you on are, to your butts <laughs> hold on your butts if you haven't been here for a finale episode we did this uh more or less exactly the same last season where we both brought a listener request and next week we will both bring a fic that we have written based on a five-star review that we have gotten. Claire, what have you chosen to bring to me that someone brought to you first? Our first selection here today is... Uh, was oh, like a... Oh, what's it called? When you have like a small amount of things you can choose from. <laughs> yes, this is a preset menu. A preset menu of uh, two things. <laughs> welcome to Restaurant Week at Fine Pairings, where there's a preset menu and you only get what we say you get. Um, <laughs> it's not a good that's what preset menus are like. <laughs> I know. But usually there's like two choices. But and instead of a wedding, it's a f- it's a podcast. Yep. This fine selection was sent to us by Paige over in- uh, over Instagram. Uh, she has sent us a Bob Ross X Reader fanfic. Uh, I feel like I put this into the spreadsheet. <laughs> you did. You did put this into the spreadsheet. Yes, I think I because it's. You said it was from Instagram. Yes, it's from Instagram. Mm, yes, the, the Instagram ty- fans really have brought us the best stuff. Right. It's um. <laughs> Famously, kiss. that's where we got our Fifty Shades of Denim. Was also on Instagram, oh, and classic. I think also the one I'm going to read is from Instagram. <laughs> right. You know the Instagrammers. They know. Good job. Um, dedicated. So yes, the title of this fic is Bob Ross X Reader. Grace and I decided for this finale episode that we would each bring our favorite cocktail. Uh, for our fic. And so what I have brought is a Long Island iced tea because I like a good, uh, efficient drink. I like- <laughs> no, That's fair. That's fair. I feel like I have a distinct memory of like, did you ever go to like events in college? Like the Yule yeah, Ball yeah, they yeah, had yeah. or like anything where you could have like one drink and it was yeah. included. That was, that is where I would get a Long Island iced tea. Cause I'm yep, like, yep, yep. well, if I have one drink ticket, this is how I'm going to go. It's that I remember, I remember <laughs> in college being introduced to a Long Island iced tea. Like yes. it was like a lark. It's that I think, <laughs> it's that I think I was with 
honestly, it was maybe when I was studying abroad for a month. Don't get too crazy. Um, it's the, it was essentially a trip. I was I shouldn't call it studying abroad, but it was under the study abroad category. <laughs> of so I was in Italy for a month, and so we went into a like a happy hour bar, and so we were going okay. to have like aperitifs and like appetizers. And the I was a freshman when I went on this trip, mm-hmm. and the seniors introduced me to Long Island iced teas because again, the efficiency that it's like, if you're going to get one drink, there must be, okay. Cause Long Island iced tea is from Long Island. I, yes. I guess I don't know if it's from I, Long I, Island, I, but I Googled it at one, I Googled it at one point earlier. So is this a world known drink? Yes, it is a world known drink. Wow. It's that the origin is actually unknown is that it was popular in the seventies. They mm. don't actually know if it originally came from Long Island or if it just was popularized mm. in Long Island. That makes sense. Um, and so, so these bartenders... Like, it's all things they would have in Italy. Yeah, because the <laughs> ingredients like... <laughs> are basically equal parts, vodka, white rum, silver tequila, gin, triple sec, simple syrup, lemon juice, and then you top it with cola. Oh, my God. And when I was in Italy... It's that that would be like a... That sounds like something an Italian would spit in. Like <laughs> <laughs> They were probably like, what unrefined what? palates you have. But yeah, they are... I haven't gotten one in a bar recently. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I, would... I haven't gone to a bar no. recently. I would... It's that I would maybe have a bartender actually make it because they are... Mm. I like them. Um, I'm always... It's that when I was in this Italy... This tastes strongly of tequila. <laughs> I taste nothing. I taste like the cola on top. And the cola. <laughs> it's that like when I was in Italy, we would get like a tall glass, like, you know, a tall drinking glass and you'd watch them like fill it up and it would be like essentially liquor, 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 liquor. liquor. <laughs> Yeah. It would be like equal parts cola. And who knows if I that's I feel like when I've seen them be made, it's like liquor, 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 liquor. And then it's like almost full and they're just like, Psst. yeah, it's seven types of liquor. That's so, Why? <laughs> Because. But anyway, so that's what I brought. And <laughs> our pick today is the Bob Ross X Reader. The uh, the author is... On Wattpad. On Wattpad. Yes. The fine connoisseur of fanfics. Mm. Um, our author is Mystery Twins. And, uh, <laughs> and I will be tagging them because they would love to see anything that happens Did with the their Bob Ross. Did the person who sent it in write it? Uh, no, I could not. So it's not... Uh, I don't think so. I did not see our Instagram. It's not in our email that okay. they wrote it. Um, so let us dive in. Ugh. So the first chapter is, is called Hello, Your Name. Great. Are you going to use my name? No. <laughs> I'm going to write. I'm going to give this as a good experience for the readers, um, for the listeners, listeners, sorry, is that I want them to be able to insert their own name. Listener. Your Insert your name as you listen to this podcast. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Ugh. You wake up to the sound of your alarm. It's 10 a.m. You only have half an hour to get ready. You stagger out of bed and hop in the shower. After that, you put on some green track pants and a white baggy shirt. I and would sh- never. And shove <laughs> your apron in your bag. What? what? Am I a chef? No, you're a painter. Oh, fun. It's that you're going over. Um, we'll get into this, but you are heading over to Bob are, Ross's house. Are track pants sweatpants like the, the, the kind that make the sound? The shh? Those? Um, yes, they're the slim cut uh, track pants are like the slim cut sweatpants. Sometimes oh, they are I'm not. I'm thinking of like warm up pants. The, yeah, yes, they're, they're warm up pants. They're not yeah. made out of sweat shirt. So they're that that material that makes the sound. Yes. Oh, yes, with yes, the yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yep, seeing yep. the stripes down the side. Yep, I'm yep, yep, yep. Having flashbacks of my dad stretching in the living room. Yep, that's it. I don't like it. Those be t- <laughs> those be track pants. I can't wait to paint. Yes. 
you're excited to be going to Bob Ross's private art class. Ooh. Even more excited about mm. that. Also, sidebar, I, was, I wanted to bring this to you. I was thinking about you when I brought this because we had that Bob Ross paint night. Like, we did. That was like a fun. while back. Um, and we should use oil paint because that's what you're supposed to use. <laughs> Ours turned out very pretty well. Yes. <laughs> considering we used acrylic paint for an oil paint tutorial. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to paint. You're excited to be going to Bob Ross's private art class. You're even more excited about the fact that it's in his house. You've had a crush on Bob Ross for, well, now, I wouldn't blame you. He is your role model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You put some bread in the toaster and grab a glass of milk. You you begin to daydream about all the possibilities of today as your toast popped and startled you. (laughs) Sorry, I saw the word your is written you are. No, no. I want you to understand that this is a little dicey. (laughs) You are toast. It's a roll as in like roll down a hill um, for a oh, well. Oh, role model. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. True Wattpad like. Yes. I yes. I fault no one for their grammar and spelling. It just, uh, as a, as I have. It makes reading harder. It makes reading harder. <laughs> it's, but um, I'm going to roll with it. Like a dinner roll. I'm going to roll <laughs> with it. You begin to daydream about all the possibilities of today as your toast popped and startled you. After realizing what the sound was, you look at the time. It's 10.55. Oh, crap. That's I'm really late. late for dinner. Here for breakfast. <laughs> That's a long time for your toast to cook. <laughs> An hour. You were daydreaming a lot before you put the toast in. That's funny. Oh, crap. I'm late. You grab your toast and rush out the door. Bob Ross's house is about a 45-minute drive. You pull up to his luxurious house. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to wait if you were almost an hour away. You pull up to his luxurious house. Wow, his house is huge. And there's a lot of people here, you said annoyed. You had trouble finding a parking spot, but you eventually did. You knock on the door, waiting a few seconds before you hear footsteps coming towards you. The door opens as you see this handsome, afro man holding the door open. (laughs) That's what happens when you brush curls. Afro man. It just, it it frizzes. Uh Hello, I'm Bob Ross. Welcome to my humble home. He gave you a gesture that meant, come in. You, (laughs) You walked into the house. Thank you. I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm... Your name. Hello, your name. It's totally fine. We just painted our nice little red sky so far, so I'll help you get started. Oh. <laughs> th- th- thank you so much, you staggered as you rush over to the empty easel. Stattered. St- stammered? Stammered. It should be stammered. St- it says stattered. You stammered as you stuttered? Sure, either you one. You stuttered as you rush over to the empty easel and pull your apron out of your bag and throw it on. You walk to the table with paints and put them on the plastic, the bit of plastic plate at my section and ready for Bob to help you. Ten's got a little... The pronouns <laughs> got a little iffy. There. We're in. We're in. It's fine. Shh. Your name! Don't worry about it. Everyone's sky looks so good, you whisper oh. to myself, attempting to mix the you... orange. <laughs> you... <laughs> you whisper to myself. I whispered to myself. I whispered to myself. I whispered... You whispered to yourself. This is about me. I'm the main character. <laughs> Everyone's sky looks so good, you whisper to yourself, attempting to mix the orange and red oil paints. Yours will be just as amazing, a voice whispered from behind your shoulder. Sexy. Which sends shivers down your body. Mm. Bob leans to meet your eyes at the same level. It's not about the outcome. It's about the fun of doing it. He gently... Do you want to whisper <laughs> it into the mic? I'm sorry. This is supposed to be sexy, I'm Claire. sorry. Yours will be just as amazing. <laughs> It's not about... Grace, stop. I'm trying to be sensual. It's not about the outcome. It's about the fun of doing it. <laughs> this is more uncomfortable than I am on TV crew. 
when we read legitimate smut. And as a person who has had podcasts where they do the whispery thing, I'm sorry for the shivers that just sent down your spine. All over your brain. <laughs> Ooh, he gently holds your That's hand. That's what Bob Ross's thing is, though. Yeah. That's like the original ASMR. <gasps> You're right. Did you not know that? No, I did. Yeah. I knew that in the recesses yeah. of my brain. People but not... listen to it because like the of the paintbrush <gasps> was like so soothing and his voice was really soft. <gasps> He's like the original AS ASM artist. <laughs> Literally. Wow. My brain. <laughs> he gently holds your hand and adds a little reddish orange to your paintbrush and begins to guide your hand across the canvas. You blush a deep shade of red. His strokes are so smooth, you think to yourself. <laughs> there you go. Now we're all in the same place. He smiles and lets your hand go and heads over to his easel. All right, now we're going to paint this party in the sky. Let's start with some happy little clouds in your picture. He gently mixes some white with some blue and begins in an X form, fluffy blobs on the top of his canvas that eventually begin to look like clouds. After an hour, everyone's finishing up some final touches of their scenery while you're still struggling with the lake. That's because you gotta pause. You gotta pause the Bob Ross to catch up. And then it's true, yeah. You, you got to also suspend your him. yeah. You also got to suspend your disbelief that it's gonna work. It's not gonna look like kiss. Right? It might look amazing. It might look really. He's good. He's a really good teacher. He's a very good teacher. I also highly suggest hiding your picture for twenty four hours and then coming and then back looking at it again. Yes, it's it's really hard to look at painting and be like, this is a thing that right? looks like anything. <laughs> this looks like anything. But when you come back twenty four hours later, you're like, oh shit, I'm an artist. It's true. It's true. Chapter yes. two, all goes down. Listen to Bob Ross. About 15 minutes later, everyone had left, and you are wrestling to finish, so you're not taking up the rest of Bob Ross's time. After Bob thanks the last... For a second, I was like, no, his name is Ross. No, his name it's is Bob. Bob. It is, in <laughs> fact, Bob. After Bob thanks the last person for coming... It is weird that you keep saying just Bob, though. I get it. I was like, that's not his name. That'd be like saying Bill Nye the Science Guy, but just calling him Bill. 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 You Bill. can only say it when you're chanting it. <laughs> Mr. Nye. Hello, Bill. Mr. Nye. May I ask a question? Hello, Bob. <laughs> I'd like to take your paint class. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob. No, it doesn't work. Yes, no, it doesn't work. Name. It doesn't work. After Bob thanks the last person for coming, he looks back to see who was last and looks at you. You blush in embarrassment and look at your painting in shame. He walks over and holds your hand gently again and helps you finish your trees, which you have been struggling with the most. Mm -hmm. You can feel his breath on the back of your neck. You blush an even darker shade of red. He looks at you at... He looks over at you in shock. Are you okay? Oh, I Your was name? Really <laughs> I was really hoping he would look at you and like say the shade of red that your face was. I was actually thinking that too. Like, like crimson or yeah, whatever yeah. other reds he yeah, uses be all like, the time. Be like, you're... Ah, uh, yes. A deeper... Fuck, what's a fancy shade of red? I was going to say... I can only remember... Red, I think that's wrong. It's that I can only remember Prussian blue is the blue he that's always uses. No. And I can't remember that. It's Sunset probably crimson. red or crimson. Whatever. Yeah. Are you okay? Your name? You look at him and whisper. <laughs> Listener. Yeah, I'm fine. He looks at your face and realizes he was why your face was red and quickly <laughs> goes to let, you, let go of your hand and turns you so you can see your face. I don't know why, but you feel this way about you. But you? I assume it's supposed to be I. <laughs> I don't know why, but you feel... I feel... What? <laughs> it says you feel I this know, way no, no, about I know. you. Because it could have been you what feel this way about time? me. Or I'd, I feel this way about you. I don't know why, but I feel this way about you. He begins to blush and holds your hand, intertwining his fingers with yours. Yes. I, I f feel the same w way. 
You stutter, staring at yours and his hands, refusing to move your eyes. Mm -hmm. Really? His eyes shot up, scaring you, causing you to raise your head as you looked as he looked at you in the eyes. He leaned in for a kiss as I closed my eyes. She's really changing pronouns. I'm trying my best. It's going from a first to a second. uh, In the same sentence. Yes, very, very quickly. Uh, He leaned in for a kiss as you close your eyes. There you go. I heard... Thank you you translating. (laughs) You hold... You... You heard his breath getting closer and closer. You felt his lips press against yours. You feel a hand press the back of your head. Suddenly, you hear... Uh, you hear... You hear hi let out a soft... Him! Him! Suddenly, you hear him let out a soft moan. We figured it out. He leans in further to kiss you harder as you press against wet canvas. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I got your shirt dirty. Bob shouts, ushering you... This is like a beautiful landscape on the back of your white shirt. (laughs) Bob shouts, ushering you to give you his shirt. He's looking down at some lead paint, which you accidentally spilt on him. Ah, I'm so sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> Why? Lead paint is like house paint. Yes. Don't. And it was depopularized after the 70s. When we realized lead was bad. Yes. They were like, hey, wait a minute. Let's maybe not do that. And so any house built in like the 50s, you should just assume has lead paint. Paint over sh- it. And so you should always, if you're going to scrape it off, you either paint over it. Don't or s- lick it. <laughs> or if you're going to scrape it off, wear a mask. He's looking down as... At some lead paint, which you had accidentally spilt on him. Ah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. No big deal. Here, let me clean it. You begin to lick the paint off his shirt. (laughs) You looked at him. You lost your balance. You felt dizzy suddenly. (laughs) Everything goes black. (laughs) There There could have been so many ways in which this would have been fine. Either A... Even he's, though it's an acrylic plate. Or he spills literally anything else. Like, oh, he had a bowl of soup and you spilled it. Oh, let me clean that off and he licks it off your shirt. Or other paint. You know, it's very important to the plot of the story. It'd be lead paint. Ah, it doesn't make any sense. If it's not lead paint, they don't have this intimate moment about to come up. But why would you lick it? You're so engrossed in love <laughs> that you <laughs> that you overlook your own health and welfare. This is I guess it's... To centrally lick your lover's shirt clean of paint. That's never an instinct I would have, regardless of what type of paint it was. Third chapter. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Light. You suddenly see light. You feel something wet and fuzzy on your hand. You adjust your eyes and look towards your hands. lead paint. (laughs) But, But Bob, what? What happened? Where am I? You look around, realizing you're in a hospital bed in a hospital room. Bob flings his head up and looks at you, tears falling down his face. Your name! Are you okay? (laughs) It's all my fault. I shouldn't have let you lick that paint. Fair. What? You licked lead paint. Lead paint is toxic. It caused you to faint. I should have told you not to. Mm -hmm. I was just too in love with you and not paying attention. I'm sorry. It's okay, Bob. Bob kneels and hugs you tightly. I'm so happy you're okay. After that, the nurse came in and sorted things out. You and Bob left, and he drove you to your house. He carried you into your house and <laughs> laid you down on your bed. He pulls the covers over you and snuggled into the back of you. Ah, spooning. You're really cold. You blush. He wraps his arms around you. Now you're warming up. You can feel his breath on the back of your neck. Next chapter. <laughs> chapter four. Cheer. You wake up with Bob Ross passed out beside you. He's really handsome, you think to yourself. You gently kiss his forehead. Ha ha, your name. You couldn't resist. You blush a dark red. He leans into you. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. You're okay. 
he whispers into your ear. The end. <laughs> this isn't the Patreon, but I'm going to give it snaps. There but- you are. Bob Ross, ex-reader, found on Wattpad.com. It really had that Wattpad energy. <laughs> it really has the Wattpad seasoning. I haven't seen a fan fiction that uses you are for the word you're in a while, so thank you for that. What year was that written? Our writer joined Wattpad in 2016. Okay, um, so it's not that old. And the fic was written in December 2017. Ah, okay. So not a, not a terribly fine vintage, but pretty close. It is a, yes, it is a moderate vintage, um, not terribly ancient, but it was before Gen Z were bullying millennials to have center parts. Yes, well before. <laughs> so, and that and in that way, I feel a- aged. I'm just looking at you because your part is more centered than mine, which I don't have one. And here's the problem is I have like ever so slight, I have a teeny tiny widow's peak. Yes. And so I cannot physically. And it's not in the middle of your forehead. That's really a bummer. Is that I've tried to part (laughs) through the widow's peak and it really accentuates the asymmetry of my face. I (laughs) Maybe Gen Z are just all born with symmetrical faces. I don't know. It's that if I center part my hair, it feels like I'm living in the inverted filter. Yeah, it feels like I'm making my face look worse on purpose. (laughs) I don't like it. And as I've told you in text, I spent a long time training my hair to be a side part uh-huh. all through my middle school years, and so I'm not going back. Yeah. Okay. So, have you watched She-Ra yet? <laughs> no. Damn it, Claire! Have I seen clips? Yes. It's so good! I'm re-watching it right now. <laughs> no, I'll... When I finish Sex in the City, which will happen in, like, a day, then... <laughs> Um, I will, I will watch Shira. You know, it's very good. Uh, and so this ties in because this is from literally over probably six months ago. Listener Abby wrote in and was like, in the most recent episode, which was First Kiss at the time, which Mm -hmm. is very topical, Shira was mentioned and I knew I had to send you in this fic. And I actually had already read it. (laughs) (laughs) Which... Uh, surprise, I don't actually read that much fan fiction outside of this podcast. Like, sometimes I will go in, but like, I'm not the, uh... A lot of people just read fan fiction, like, all the time. Yep. That's not my life. It's one of the many things I consume. But it is in a very similar vein to First Kiss in that it is a cutscene of a regular part of the episode. Ooh. But it goes deeper. <gasps> the name of the um, show creator for she was called Noelle Stevenson, and they do most of the episodes, but they are also, um, they do some of the, like, uh, oh, what's it called? Character design. Mm-hmm. And they're very active on Twitter. And then... This fic popped up on AO3, and everyone was like, this is amazing. This is so good. And then, or before, not sure what the timeline is, the creator, Noelle, tweeted out that she had wrote a fan fiction of She-Ra. Oh my god. Because... It I would ended, do this if I was a show. Because it had ended, and, and they were like, I have a thing... What do I do with my feelings? And then I think their like partner was like people like normal people would like write a fan fiction, and so they were like, "I'm gonna write a fan fiction." <laughs> people were I think already speculating that like which fan fiction it was, and then uh, they tweeted out a uh, fan art, but like a canon fan art because oh it's God. the creator, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone was like, oh, "This is exactly like a fan fiction." We know <laughs> which one it is. So, it is not 100% confirmed, but it is incredibly likely that this is a fan fiction of content by the original creator, which begs the question, 
what is fan fiction? <laughs> because most people are like, oh, well, this is just canon now. I feel like the only argument I could be making is that, so you can be the creator and be a fan. Yes, fair. It's, and you're so, not the only person involved. Yes, yeah, so, so you for could. Other forces. So you're. It's that I would argue that the author. My argument might be that the author is just writing non-canon works, which would classify it as a fanfic. Yes, because canon is only in my head canon is officially what was released, approved by publishers, That's TV fair. shows, whatever, yes. executives. Yes. So, so this is what... It's like the closest thing to not fan fiction that we yes. probably this ever is, have to read. <laughs> this is like... Do you, you know what headcanon is? Yes. Um, so this... Oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. This is like prime headcanon. Yes. And I think I've even seen uh, other fan fictions in the Shira Katradora... Mm-hmm. Um, like fandom that are yeah. like this is taking this fan fiction as canon and running with it. Mm-hmm. So this is a cutscene from uh, season five, a very very popular episode called "Save the Cat," which is kind of the one of the first grounding episodes in the Catra Adora shipping fandom. So I'm probably going to pop in with context. Anyone who has watched Shira will know what's going on. Anyone who has not should stop and. Go watch Shira. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so this is by an author named Anna Charlier. This is her only work, what? and it's probably Noel Stevenson. <laughs> you know, I love a good pen name. Yes, and it's called Don't Go. I'm so, ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, okay. So basically, <laughs> Adora is Shira. And uh, Adora is from the evil side of the war, which is called the Horde. Okay. In the first episode, she meets people on the rebellion side and is like, wait a minute, the Horde's been lying to me the whole time. I'm going to be on the side of the rebellion. And also, oh my God, I'm this magical princess called She-Ra. And so she leaves her best friend Catra behind. And th- so because Catra is betrayed, she becomes like the leader of the Horde and becomes like sworn to uh, take down Adora and the rebellion. So they're on opposite sides. And then eventually Catra's like, oh my God, this shit's real bad. And is like, maybe I should apologize and just go down with this ship. Okay. And instead, Adora's like, no, I'm going to save you. <gasps> it's... <laughs> Yeah. This show is so good, Claire. I can't, ex- I, I can't express to you how much I love this fucking okay, show. Okay, okay, okay. So there's an epi- called, episode called Save the Cat, which is about saving Catra. And so this is after they have saved Catra and they have brought her back to the ship after a whole bunch of stuff has happened. And that stuff includes like uh, implanting Catra with like a brainwashing chip to be uh, sworn to the evil side of the war. And they have brought her back and taken her away from that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Your body is not ready. I am. I fucking love this. I've never been more excited for everything. I'm actually going to double check that we're still recording. Okay. They stay that way for a long time. Catra's face tucked into Adora's shoulder. Adora gently cradling Catra's head. Adora is careful not to hug Catra too hard or make her feel restrained, anticipating the moment that Catra will start to pull away. But Catra doesn't. She hangs on so tightly it hurts, her claws digging through Adora's jacket and into her back latching onto her like she did when she was a kitten and didn't know how much her claws could hurt. Adora tries not to wince, tries not to move a single muscle, worried that if she does, the spell will break and Catra will struggle away, appalled at having shown some weakness. But Catra doesn't let go, and so neither does Adora. At some point, Glimmer and Bo slip away to give them some privacy. Adora is dimly aware of them moving in and out of the room, having hushed conversations with Entrapta. Finally, Bo comes over and crouches down next to Adora. 
Oh, we, we cleared out the boxes in the brig and set up a cot, he says, as quickly as possible. Do you want to try moving Catra in there? Adora flinches a little bit at him, calling it the brig. She doesn't want Catra to feel like a prisoner, but she also knows it's more or less the same as all the other rooms on the ship, and it's warm and dark and private. Catra will be comfortable there. If Catra heard Bo, she doesn't show it. Adora gives Bo a slight nod, then cautiously shifts to bring some life back into her legs that have long since fallen asleep. Hey, Catra, she whispers, as gently as possible. Catra doesn't respond or move. Adora almost wonders if she's fallen asleep, except that the grip on Adora hasn't relaxed at all. Adora tries again. Catra, she breathes. Bo and Glimmer set up a bed for you. Do you want to go there so you can rest? For a long moment, Catra still doesn't respond. Then finally, Adora feels her nod into the crook of her neck. Okay. But she still doesn't move, and her arms still don't loosen. Adora gives her a moment, then decides to ch take charge. I'm going to carry you, okay? She says, running a hand gently over the back of Catra's head in an attempt to rouse her. Catra's only response is, to is another faint nod into her shoulder. Need a hand? Says Bo. But Adora shakes her head. I've got her. Carefully, she shifts Catra in her arms, slipping one hand behind Catra's knees and the other around the small of her back. Catra still doesn't let go. Her head stays buried in Adora's shoulder, like it's the last safe place in the world. Adora lifts Catra as gently as she can, wobbling a bit on her numb legs as she stands. It's more difficult than she anticipated. Her limbs are weakened by the deep, burning ache that she's come to understand as a side effect of Shira's healing powers. Basically, she turned into Shira to, like, fend off all the attackers and then uh, turned back into Adora and has just been sitting here, like, holding Catra. Oh. <laughs> because Catra is not moving. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her skin is always whole again. Her wounds gone without a trace. But she shifts back after even the hardest one battles. But she can always still feel a dull ghost of them weighing on her bones. Sometimes, she thinks it would be easier if they would stay. Bo hovers nearby, ready to help if needed. But Adora gets her footing and stubbornly grips Catra to her chest as she staggers past him. The brig is dark, but faintly lit by the soft glow of the first one's tech that studs the walls. It's the smallest room on the ship, but Adora thinks that's a good thing. It feels cozy. Safe. She lowers Catra into the cot, her muscles screaming, waving Bo away when she's made it. He backs respectfully out of the room and shuts the door. We're here, Adora murmurs to Catra. And only then does Catra start to hesitantly unfold, extricating herself from Adora's arms. Adora winces as her claws slide free from her back. Catra looks around the dim room, blinking as if it's too bright. Her eyes are unfocused, confused. Her movements are sluggish. Adora feels a pang of sympathy. If her body is sore, Catra must be feeling it ten times worse after, worse after the beating she took. The memory of Catra's body, broken, lying still on the cold floor of Prime's ship, flashes back in her mind. Catra hasn't been in her life for a long time, but she hadn't known how unbearable it would be to lose her for good until that moment. Then Catra's nails sink into the mattress, and her whole body goes rigid. She looks up at Adora, her pupils shrinking to pinpricks, her fur bristling, and Adora recognizes the first sign of panic. Catra, it's okay! Adora instinctively tries to soothe her, reaching out a comforting hand. Catra's face crumples, and she recoils away from Adora as if she's seen a ghost. No! It comes out like a sob. There's anger in her voice, just fear, fear and despair. Catra tries to get up off the bed, but her legs are too weak to support her, dumping her un unkindly to the ground. Catra! Adora yelps, reaching again to help her, but Catra scrambles backward, wedging herself against the wall like a cornered animal, breathing hard. Her tail is bushy. Adora hasn't seen her like this since they were small children, before Catra learned to hide her vulnerability behind a mask of indifference. Get out of my head! Catra whispers. Just leave me alone. Don't you have enough already? It takes Adora a moment to understand. Then she gets it, and her blood turns to ice. Catra curls up into a ball and sobs. Her 
claws tearing at her head as if the pain will wake her up, as if she can rip the ghost of Horde Prime out of her mind. Adora lurches forward, grabbing Catra's wrist and wrestling them away with her hand. Catra, no, this is real. It's okay. You're safe now. I'm upset. I'm here. <laughs> I'm upset. So Horde Prime was like the big bad yeah. of their side, and he chipped Catra. Oh no. And some of the things he showed her were like hallucinations of Adora leaving her. And oh, like no. of Adora. I know! <laughs> so Catra doesn't know this is real! I'm, a, I'm upset. <laughs> It's upsetting. Catra thrashes, slashing blindly at her, howling. Just get it over with, she wails. Please, I told you, she's not coming back. Just let me go, please. No. I'm, a, no. I'm sorry, I'm such a good actress. <laughs> I don't even watch the show. I don't uh, This is like a fraction of what I felt for the Okay, so... <laughs> How dare you make me feel feelings? Adora's never heard Catra plead like that. She resolves in that moment that she's going to kill Horde Prime with her own hands, and she's going to enjoy it. Adora throws herself bodily on top of Catra, tackling her to the floor. She gets her flailing hands pinned, but not before ca- taking a claw to the face. Catra squeezes her eyes shut, turning her face desperately away, her chest still heaving with sobs. Catra! Adora speaks as firmly as she can. Catra, stop! This isn't a Horde Prime mind trick. I'm really here. And you're being a major pain in my ass right now. Catra opens her eyes, looking up at Adora's face in confusion. Adora cracks a weak smile. I came back for you, dumbass. I saved you. And you can bet I'm never going to let you live that down. Catra hesitates. Then she shakes her head slowly, eyes unfocused with tears. She wouldn't come back for me. No! (laughs) Well, tough luck, because I did. So you can please stop with the scratching and just lie down on the stupid bed and rest? Catra isn't fighting her anymore, but there's still distrust in her eyes. Adora tries another tactic. Also, can I just say that Horde Prime is a major loser? I thought he'd be, like, a scarier Hordak, but at least Hordak knew when to shut up. Catra actually laughs. The same strained chuckle from when she was tottering on the edge of the platform, fighting with everything she had against Prime's control. Her body had gone limp underneath Adora. Adora carefully lifts Catra's hands and and flops down beside her. Would fake Adora say something like that? She says smugly. She wants to hold Catra and comfort her, but she figures that gentle touches aren't what Catra needs right now. They would remind her too much of Prime's possessive gestures. Catra lies still for a long time, the only sound her ragged breathing. Then, finally, she rolls her head to the side, scanning Adora's face incredulously. It's really you, she whispers hoarsely. You came back for me. (laughs) Yeah, Adora responds simply. Don't go back in my heart, but couldn't if I tried. Okay, so, not only is this obviously, like, an amazingly written fan fiction. Yes. So, like, that clued a lot of people in. Like, people people don't just, like, drop their first fan fiction on AO3 and it's, like, the best thing you've ever read. No. It was, it was mildly suspicious. Adora helps her sit up. Catra's muscles are still tense, but her fur is smoothed. Her eyes scan the room as if searching for an, for any inconsistencies that would give away the illusion. She looks down at her own body. Then her hand goes to the back of her neck. Hears flatten as she feels the chip still clamped into her spine. Her claws scramble at her skin, her clothes tearing into herself, drawing blood. It all happens so fast Adora barely has any time to react. She's still wearing like a horde, uh, evil, 
uh, uniform. Catra, stop. Stop it. Once again, Adora has to wrestle Catra's claws away, but she's already managed to open a few slashes in her own flesh, the red blooming across the snowy white of her uniform. Adora keeps Catra's wrist in a tight grip as she struggles. Let go, hisses Catra, straining against her, but Adora doesn't relent. Look at me, Adora commands. She waits for a long moment until Catra finally does. I'll let you go, but you have to promise you won't hurt yourself again. Catra, promise. She figures that will get through to her, and it does. After a moment, Catra retracts her claws and nods. She tugs weakly against Adora's hands, but Adora doesn't let go just yet. Take it off, Catra pleads quietly, and Adora understands. She lets go of Catra's hands, which curl into fists against the floor, and move to Catra's back. She runs her hands over the white uniform covering Catra, searching for some kind of zipper or closure, but it seems to be made of one seamless piece of smooth, glossy fabric. Of course Prime wouldn't make it easy to remove. Catra feels Adora fumbling around, and the hackles on her neck raise as she suddenly shouts, Take it off! Adora, please, take it off! Adora can't bear the desperation in her voice. Without hesitation, she grips the edges of the uniform and pulls as hard as she can. The fabric is stiff and heavy, but clearly not designed with the protection of the wearer in mind. It comes apart in Adora's hands surprisingly easily, or maybe it's another burst of Shira's strength. Adora rips the uniform all the way down, exposing Catra's shivering back, then helps her struggle out of it. Free of the uniform, Catra finally seems to relax. Her muscles go slack as she leans against, leans back against Adora's chest, breathing steadily now. She looks so small, Adora thinks. In her mind, Catra has been so big for so long, a looming shadow of rage and spite and darkness, its shape so unfamiliar to her. But this shape, Catra's narrow, curled form, this shape she knows better than anything. And then with a shock, Adora realizes that she's staring at Catra's naked body and that she probably- I was wondering if she was wearing an <laughs> underwear situation. Yep. And that she probably shouldn't be doing that. She looks away, grabbing the shredded uniform and crushing it into a ball. I'm going to throw this out of the airlock, she announces, and she feels the slightest rumble of Catra's Catra chuckle in response. Adora carefully extricates herself from Catra and stands up, still averting her eyes. <laughs> I've got some extra pillows. I'll bring them to you. Do you need water? I'll bring you water, too. With that, Adora rushes out. <laughs> she practically sprints through the ship. She doesn't want to leave Catra alone for more than a moment. She bursts into a bigger bunker room than where they've been sleeping and catches Bo and Glimmer cuddling on Bo's bed. Glimmer's head snaps straight up from where it has been nestled on Bo's shoulder, blushing furiously. So... This is another ship that was not canonized until very late in the season. <laughs> but everyone was like, uh, they're in love? Makes sense. For sure. Got it. Adora doesn't have time to get into whatever that is. <laughs> she gives them a quick, knowing smirk, then raids her bag of clothes, pulling out a clean gray top and matching shorts. They look just like the standard issue ones she had worn in the horde. She had the bright moon tailors make them to her specifications. The familiarity brought her comfort, and she figures they will for Catcher too. Everything Okay. Ask Bo. Fine, Adora responds. Hey, the ship has an incinerator, right? <laughs> yeah, it's right outside the cargo hold. What? But Adora's already off. As she rushes out of the bunk room, she feels something soft hit her head and realizes Glimmer has thrown a blanket at her. Take this too, Glimmer shouts after her. Adora finds the incinerator, a small square door in the hallway intended for garbage, and shoves the horde uniform inside. She closes the door, imagining the white fabric going up in flames, burning to a crisp. And with every uh, every trace of Prime's cruel, lingering touch. When she's satisfied that the garment is definitely destroyed, Adora sprints back to Catra's room, stopping only briefly in the gallery to grab a bottle of water. When she steps back into the brig, she finds Catra on the bed, curled up in a tight ball. The brig is right next to the engine room, and so it's one of the warmest places on the ship. But Catra is shivering. 
Her head shoots up at the sound of the door, eyes wide with terror. It's okay. It's only me, Adora soothes. She crosses to the bed and lays the clothes out next to Catra, seeing her eye the bottle of water. Adora hands it to her, then waits as Catra drinks greedily. She resists the urge to try and help her as Catra slips on the clothes with clumsy, shaking fingers. The last thing Catra needs right now is for Adora to act possessive. How are you feeling? Adora ventures. Catra sighs, laying her head back down on the mattress. Like shit. Adora nods sympathetically. I know. I'm sorry. Magic or not, the healing process sucks. You should try to sleep. It's really the only thing that helps. I don't suppose you have some other magical power that could keep me from dreaming, grumbles Catra. She's still shivering, but she looks calmer than she has since she woke up. The scratches she left on herself aren't deep and have stopped bleeding, so they'll probably be fine without treatment. Adora gently draws the blanket over her and starts to stand up, intending to give Catra some privacy so she can sleep. But Catra's hand closes on Adora's wrist before she can pull it back, hanging on tight. Her eyes meet Adora's. Where before they were dim and unfocused, now they're clear and piercing. She holds Adora's gaze unrelentingly. Why did you come back for me? Oh no. She demands. I- Adora's voice trails off in silence. Catra doesn't let go. The only sound is the soft, muffled humming of the ship's engine as it moves through space away from Horde Prime. Because- She trails off again. What is she supposed to say? Because- You're Catra. She finishes weakly. Catra flinches. Her hand slips from Adora's and she rolls away, so small under the blanket that she almost disappears. Adora listens to the ship's beating heart in silence, not sure what else to say. You should sleep, says Adora, once it becomes clear that Catra isn't going to answer. Catra doesn't respond, doesn't even move. I won't be far, Adora adds. If you need anything, just call me. Still nothing. Adora's heart is pounding. She doesn't want to leave Catra alone. She doesn't want to let her out of her sight ever again. She wants to lie down on the mattress next to her and pull her against her chest and stroke her hair until she falls asleep. Don't hurt me like this. She wants to be there if Catra has a nightmare and tries to hurt herself again. She wants to wrap Catra in her arms and absorb her into her chest or she'll be safe and never feel pain or fear ever again. Why must you bring such... (laughs) I have feelings. This is why I don't read Hurt Comfort because I... I'm too much of a marshmallow to take it. But she can't. She's never been able to do that for Catra, as much as she wanted to, and every time she tried, it just made things worse. Adora stands and leaves the room, pressing the panel to close the door behind her. She walks far away, far enough away that Catra will be able to hear her footsteps retreating, then slips her shoes off and tips, tiptoes back as quietly as she can. She lowers herself to the ground and leans against the door, listening as hard as she can for any sound of distress within. If Catra needs anything, she'll be there. She's not leaving her again. The ship rumbles and creaks as it moves through space, away from Horde Prime. Catra stays in the room for a long time. She doesn't sleep much. When she does, she sees horrible things. She sees the inside of a tank full of green fluid, the sea of glowing clone eyes in the darkness, the cruel twist of Prime's lip as he rips through her mind. She feels the breathing tube crammed down her throat. Prime's unyielding grip holding her steady as the chip is planted. The searing full-body pain followed by the terrifying numbness. As horrible as it is, the worst thing she sees is Adora's face, over and over, eyes bright and glowing with hope, all reaching hands and awkward smiles. There isn't a window in Catra's room, but even if there was, there's no day or night to make sense of the passage of time. There hasn't been for a while. How long has she been in space? How long was she under Prime's control? How long since Adora carried her to safety? It's all melting together. A mix of cold emptiness and feverish dreams. Catra thrashes from side to side in her bed, kicks the blanket into the floor, grips her head, but she doesn't cry out. She knows that if she does, Adora will come to help her. 
and she can't bear to see Adora's stupid, hopeful face again. After a while, Catra has no idea how long, Adora comes back to check on her. Catra pretends to be asleep. She hears Adora set another water bottle on the ground besides her bed, feels her pull the blanket over her again. She's angry at that, the familiarity of it, when she should be glaring at Catra through the bars of a prison cell. But she doesn't stir. She can't look Adora in the eyes again. Adora keeps coming back to check on her, and Catra feigns sleep every time. She doesn't touch the water bottle even though her dry throat aches, because then Adora would know that she's been awake. But eventually, she slips into shallow dreams again. The green fluid, prime smirk, the pain, his voice. And that's when Adora happens to check in on her. At the sound of the door, Catra sits bolt upright, her heart pounding out of her chest, and terrified scream bursting from her mouth before she can choke it back down. Just like that, her cover's blown. And Adora's looking at her with that same stupid, hopeful look. Like Catra hasn't spent years trying to burn her and everything she's loved, and she can't stand it. So Catra does what she always does. She retreats behind her walls, lashes out, needles Adora where she knows it sinks the most. It's what she is. She's an animal. Nothing more than base instincts and rotten heart. Just as everyone has always said she was. She's poison. She's fire. She's broken glass. And all she knows is how to hurt and be hurt in turn. Adora leaves, angry, and something in Catra, some small, childish piece that somehow hasn't been completely stamped out, wants to call after her, wants to run after her into the bright hallway. She doesn't. She stays in the dark. She doesn't know how to leave. She needs a hug. <clears throat> she, I know! She just needs some love! Ah! <laughs> uh, it, it's not until Adora is staring down at her coldly and offering her the choice to leave them all behind to never see her again, the catcher finally realizes that she can't do it. She spent years alone, empty, angry. Her rage was the only fire that warmed her, but now she's just cold. Her bones are aching with it, and she can't do it for a moment longer. She reaches out for Adora. Stay. No, 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 no. That is the thing that actually happens in the episode. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this episode ruined so many lesbians. <laughs> I'm ruined and I'm straight. <sighs> it's great. So we're kind of clipping between um, pieces of this episode that okay. happened. So like Adora will come back to the Bray and like this is uh, just like chunks of Catra's point of view between those points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, there's a moment in the episode where the like main good guy team are like eating and Catra like comes out and like tries to join them. So this is in the middle of that. You should have seen me. Bo was saying, there were two coming from behind and one cutting me off in front. And I was like, pew, whoa, barrel roll. And I totally dodged them. It was dope. <laughs> you only hit like three asteroids on the way, smirks Glimmer. Just smashed right through them. It was almost impressive. Fine. You can drive next time then, huffs Bo. We could have been depressurized and died instantly, but Darla's shield held up perfectly, chirps Entrapta. Entrapta's like, tech friend. Okay. Oh, I'm so proud of her. Uh, Darla is the ship. Oh. <laughs> she built. You're always thinking it was just another person. I was like, nope. that's cute. Darla's the name of the ship. <laughs> well. Adora's face is brimming with excitement as she watches Catra take another bite of the bun. So, what do you think? She urges, her eyes glowing with anticipation for Catra's reaction. It's good, mutters Catra. Then, seeing Glimmer shoot her a reproachful look, she adds, really good. Thank you. Adora's face falls with a little bit of disappointment. Just? Good? I mean, Sparkles isn't exactly a five-star chef, smirks Catra, earning herself an elbow in the ribs from Glimmer. What? I said it was good. I just thought you'd have a bigger reaction than that, mumbles Adora. The first time I tried real food outside of ration bars, it blew my mind. I couldn't stop eating it. <laughs> Catra raises an eyebrow. Adora, 
You know I've had food besides ration bars before, right? There were tons of contraband in the Fright Zone if you knew where to find it. You were the only one square enough not even to try. <laughs> Bo and Glimmer laughed, and Catra feels a little flicker of warmth. She's not used to people laughing at her. Not in a good way, anyway. Adora flushes, embarrassed. Are you kidding? She mutters. I've been waiting for years for you to join the rebellion so I could see you try real food, and you've been eating it this whole time? And just like that, the flicker of warmth vanishes, and all that's left is a surge of crushing cold. Bo makes another joke, and his voice sounds muffled and far away. She feels like she's drowning. Without a word, she stands and leaves the circle. Catra? Adora's voice is the only one that... I'm just remembering that people think I sound like Adora, so I hope this is really making some people feel good today. (laughs) I don't hear it, but I hope you are enjoying this live reading. Catra? Adora's voice is the only one that pierces the roaring in her ears, but she doesn't turn back. She can hear Glimmer murmuring something, and she knows she's telling Adora to give her space. As soon as she's out of the room, her legs get weak. She's almost made it back to her room when they give out altogether, and she stumbles against the wall. It feels like her lungs are being constricted by the heavy pressure in her chest. It feels like all the blood has been drained from her body. She slides down the wall to the floor, gasping for breath, and then she gasps, turn to racked sobs, so deep and heaving that they're almost soundless. I've been waiting years for you to join the rebellion. (laughs) She'd said it so casually, like it had really been that simple. Like Catra could have just chosen to walk away from the ceaseless misery of the Fright Zone any time she wanted. Chosen to eat good food and be with Adora and be happy. She could have, couldn't she? Every sleepless night, every torment inflicted by Shadow Weaver or Hordak, every rage-filled breakdown clawing at the walls and her bed and her own body, it had all been pointless. It had all just been wasted time. She could have walked away from her pride and her rage and her need to destroy. Instead, she let herself be consumed by it until there was nothing good left in her and the world was burning around her. What if it's too late? The pressure on her chest has settled in her stomach. It makes her feel like she's going to throw up. She's retching with every breath, but nothing comes up, just more sobs. She lets them come. She cries until she's empty. Her eyes ache and her body is sore and heavy. She lies there, too exhausted to move. She hears someone coming from around the bend in the hall, and she tenses. She doesn't want Adora to see her like that. But it's not Adora. And Trapta's eyes are fixed on her tracker pad. She almost steps on Catra before noticing her. Oh! Sorry, she says brightly. I was just on my way to see how Darla's reboot is going. I then don't she- know the show, but I ship them. <laughs> so, uh, backstory. Entrapta is a tech friend, and she's like real true neutral. She will go wherever she is allowed to do science. So she's on the Horde side for a while. Okay. Because she thinks her friends have left her, and the, and the Horde is like, ah, yes, build us whatever crazy robots you want to. And she's like, hey, yeah, I love robots. Feel like I'm into that. And then she moves back because she's like, wait, I had friends on the other side. And they're like, yes, idiot. Classic. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. Um, and so her and Katra have a history. She notices Katra's tear-streaked face and her eyes widen. Oh, um, are you all right? Katra doesn't answer right away. And Trapta fidgets, clearly incredibly uncomfortable with the situation. Do you need medical attention? I'll just, uh, go get someone. And Trapta, says Katra at last, raising her hand. How do you do it? And Trapta cocks her head quizzically. How'd I do what? How do you... Catra swallows, her throat raw. How did you get them to forgive you? How did you forgive yourself? Oh. And Trapta considers the question, playing with the ends of her pigtails. I don't know, she admits. Adora and Bo came to rescue me after I messed with the runestones. Even after I made robots to hurt them. Even when my portal machine almost de- destroyed reality. You know. <laughs> it's a lot to come back from. <laughs> Catra flinches and looks away. 
curling in on herself, shivering. Entrapta sees the reaction and panics. She does the first thing she can think of and lunges for Catra's hand, holding it in an awkward grip. Catra's teary eyes meet hers, shocked. Entrapta looks shocked too. Then she decides that she needs to commit and squeezes Catra's hands a little more firmly. I think they came back for me because they believed that I could be better, she says, clearly choosing her each word as carefully as she could. They wouldn't leave me, even when I asked them to. So I decided I wanted to be the person they thought I was. At first, I didn't know how. I kept messing it up. But they didn't give up on me. I don't think they've given up on you either. I think you just have to keep trying. There's a long moment of silence. Entrapped to doing her best to hold Catra's gaze, even though it's clearly killing her. She doesn't let go until Catra gives her a small, wavering smile and squeezes her hand slightly in return. Satisfied that her gesture was successful, Entrapta extricates herself and steps back. Catra watches her. You've come a really long way, murmurs Catra. Thank you, says Entrapta proudly. I learned the hand thing from Bo. It seems to really comfort people. What an engineer. <laughs> it truly. She uh, sizes Catra up, then nods decisively. You need new clothes. I'll make you some. A spacesuit, too. Do you want your helmet to have ears? I'm going to give it ears. With that, Entrapta shoots off down the hall, jabbering happily into her voice recorder about another successful emotional connection. Nailed it. <laughs> Catra is too, is too tired to stand, but her chest doesn't hurt anymore. The sick feeling in her stomach has abated. She feels numb, sore, heavy, but also better somehow. For the first time in a long time, she thinks she can see a way forward. Her eyes drift closed and she falls asleep not 15 feet from the door to her room. She's sleeping so heavily that she doesn't even wake up when Adora finds her some time later and lifts her in her arms. But when she lays her carefully on the bed, she stirs, her eyes cracking open drowsily. Hey, Adora, she mutters. Adora grins that stupid, dopey grin. Idiot. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Really tired, though. I think I need to sleep. Adora nods and starts to pull away, then stops. Catcher's hand is wrapped around hers. Gentle, Claws retracted, but firm. She doesn't say anything. Doesn't even meet Adora's eyes. But she doesn't let go either. Adora takes a risk. Hey, Catra? She whispers at last. Is... is it okay if I sleep in here tonight? I think Bo and Glimmer are making out in the bunk room and I don't want to go back there. Catra chuckles. There's a low rumble. Almost a purr. Adora smiles. She likes Catra make... Uh, she likes making Catra laugh. If you want. Catra mutters. Adora stands, triumphant. I'll go get another blanket. I can take the floor. She's heading for the door when Catra's voice stops her. Adora. Adora doesn't... Looks back questioningly. Catra's looking at her now. Her blue and gold eyes bright in the dim room. Don't be an idiot, Catra says at last. The bed is huge. <gasps> wow. No. There's only one bed. Slowly, carefully, Adora lowers herself into the bed besides Catra. She lies stiffly on her side facing Catra, but they don't touch. She stares at Catra eyes wide, as if she'll move too quickly and scare Catra away. After a tense beat, the corner of Catra's mouth curls up in a small smirk, bearing one pointed fang. Take your stupid ponytail out, dummy, she says. You're going to lose all your hair before you're 30 if you keep sleeping with it in. Adora glares at her, but relaxes, yanking out her elastic and slipping it around her wrist. Her hair falls around her face, messy and sweaty. She shoots Catra a, there, happy, look. She looks tired too. Catra holds her gaze. She blinks slowly, wondering if Adora even remembers what that means. Adora reaches out suddenly and brushes the short bangs framing Catra's face. Catra jumps a little at the unexpected touch. Adora quickly withdraws her hand, self-conscious. Sorry, she says. I just, I like it, the hair. Catra rolls her eyes, trying to be nonchalant. 
<laughs> I guess that's one thing I should thank Prime for. At least he gave me a nice haircut. No, Adora sounds horrified at the thought. I, I just meant... Adora, it's okay. Catra curls towards Adora. Just a little. Still not touching her. It was a joke. I'm glad you like it. It feels... lighter. They're holding each other's eyes, unwavering, neither wanting to be the first to look away. Not sure what they want to say. Then, thanks, whispers Catra in the silence. For saving me. Thanks for coming back. Adora's eyes widen in shock. She's so dumb. Every emotion... <laughs> it's true, Adora is, like, canonically a dumb jock. <laughs> yes. Every emotion she feels... A shimbo? What's the... Uh, I mean, uh, himbo. She's, just a, she's a she himbo. Yeah, I was like, I think I think TikTok has taught me what a female himbo is. Shebo! And I don't remember what it is. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, da, da. Uh, she's a real himbo. Every emotion she feels written across her face, easy for anyone to read. Maybe Catra could learn to be a little more like that. I couldn't leave you, Adora whispers back. I'm going to be better, says Catra, squeezing her eyes shut. I've hurt you a lot. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again, but I know sorry doesn't fix everything, and if you ever want me to go, I'll go. Catra feels the mattress shift as Adora shuffles closer, close enough that Catra can feel her breath on her face. I don't want you to go, she says. I want you here, with me. I really missed you, Catra. That's when Catra bridges the gap. It's not much. A slight brush of her tail on Adora's leg, light enough that it could have been an accident. But she doesn't move. She leaves it there. An unspoken request until Adora gets the point. Adora sides closer and curls around Catra, draping an arm over her, pulling her close. Catra tucks her head under Adora's chin, nestling into the warmth of her chest. The embrace is a little awkward, not as easy and careless as it had been when they were children, but it doesn't matter. It's a start. Catra can't keep her eyes open anymore, and she drifts off into the deepest sleep she's had in years. Adora can feel the soft, creaky buzz of Catra's purr vibrating across her chest. She can't believe this is happening but she's too tired to question it. She burrs her face in Catra's hair and lets her purring lull her to sleep. No! <laughs> the ship moves quietly, peacefully through space on its way home. No, no, no. <laughs> Just an arrow through my heart. The end! Do you want to know how many kudos this has? Yes. Uh, it has a thousand comments and 16,000 kudos. <laughs> I'm going to add my kudos. Because Shira fans found this. Oh, and actually, this, uh, the original, um, the original, uh, art is my background. <laughs> oh, I've seen it. Yeah, I don't, uh, how can I get to, like, a blank background? There we go. It's this. So that's the pose they're in at the end. I hurt. <laughs> I hurt. It's so good. So, yeah, clearly that was not, like, a non-professional writer. <laughs> I want to say a lot of people speculated, like, wait a minute, how did Catra get in this weird underwear outfit that she wears? Did someone have to change her? Did someone have to have some feelings about seeing a naked Catra? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. So, <laughs> thank you, Abby. <laughs> Even though I already read this, now I had a reason to read it out loud and share it with Claire. <laughs> and was... now she will watch... Shira! <laughs> if anything, that was a real good promo for watching Shira. The, I can't overestimate how good this show is. <laughs> Especially the fifth season, but it's not good unless you watch the other four seasons. No, that's fair. Which is kind of annoying, but like, it's really good. All right, so that is... Uh, part one. That was the part one of our finale. Our fire... Or no, our uh, fic recommendations. What are we calling these? Listener send-ins? Yeah, listener submissions. Who knows? We'll... 
someday. We'll eventually come up with a good word for what these are. Right. Yeah, listener submissions. And if you have more, keep sending them in to us. I really enjoy reading them. They're very fun. And we may read them either at the end of season four or bonus episodes. Who fucking knows? We might even use them on a regular episode. That's happened before. It has. (laughs) So uh, with that, thank you for listening. Next week will be our five-star fix from people who sent us five-star reviews and asked for specific things for me and Claire to write, and that'll be very exciting. Uh, We're getting a couple more of those than typically, so we might do a bonus episode of more. So if you have some, please write those uh, on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is the only place where you can send reviews. You don't know why? It just is. Otherwise, you can follow us on Spotify and listen listen to us anywhere podcasts are found if you want to suggest us to a friend you can also get in touch with us at our dms at fine pairings pod on twitter and fine pairings podcast on instagram tiktok tumblr i was gonna say facebook no we're no not. that's we're the not. one place we are not yet we are not doing that. or fine pairings podcast at gmail.com you can also if you would like additional content you can head over to patreon.com forward slash fine pairings podcast there you will find steam and cream our smut fanfic writing or reading reading we didn't write it (laughs) we didn't write it Um, but that's where we read uh, things that are a little too 18 plus to read on the regular feed spoiler at some point I'm probably going to bring more Catradora to the Stephen Crane (laughs) you know that's fine (laughs) thank you for listening Uh, we're going to leave see you next week goodbye (laughs) goodbye